0: Lord, to think that we'll have all of eternity to proclaim your goodness. That's something that we look forward to. Lord, bless our morning as we open the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take a seat. I'm going to begin with, um, we'll do a special sermon here on that. Uh, being Valentine's Day week, I guess you call it that. <laughs> this Wednesday is Valentine's Day. <clears throat> How many uh, couples here, are, it's a big thing for you to celebrate Valentine's Day? Raise your hand. Because it means really absolutely nothing to Eric and I. We don't even, when was the last time? Oh, I bought you something yesterday. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> that the shines. Okay. You. Yes, you're welcome. That's easy. Every day, okay. How many like want to raise your hand now and top of that? Like, it's every day, okay. Well, it's Valentine's Day week, and um, I thought I'd begin since we're going to talk about the secret to successful marriage. <clears throat> we put the first video up, these are some funny wedding vows that I discovered. When I was uh, preparing this sermon. Uh, each of these uh, about a minute to ninety seconds each of these two videos I just I had to show them they 're so funny so if you can put these uh, funny wedding vows up Let's go to the first video. First and foremost, I vow to never again forget your buffalo sauce at chick-fil-A. <laughs> you forgot it this morning I did <laughs> <It> starts now. <laughs> I think that alone will really pave the road to my success in this marriage. Matthew. It isn't easy being the best thing that ever happened to you. <laughs> That's it. She beat me. <laughs> I know you're not a one in a million kind of girl, but you're my one in a lifetime kind of girl. I, I I wrote that. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I had a lot of fun preparing this sermon. And God said, and Pastor Chris said, let there be light. And yeah, it didn't work. If God said it didn't work, there we go. That's good right there. This year, Eric and I will be married 30 years. It's June 11th. Can you believe that? So let's do this again. Who is the. Um, Anyone over thirty years? Raise your hand. Anyone over forty years? Anyone over fifty years? Anyone over sixty years? No. Yes, you too. Oh my gosh! Raise your hand, Don. Right. Over, you not know, over seventy, right? But how many years you've been married? 62. You could put up with him that long? <laughs> yeah, how about you, Don? How long have you been married? Oh, 56 years. 58. Yeah, okay. At this age, it's a couple of years years, right? Does it really matter? Exactly. Well, we discovered that you want to know how we remained married for 30 years. We discovered the, the source of all conflict in our marriage: me. It's me. Yeah, it's always my fault. Uh, the sooner I embraced that realization, the happier my marriage was to Erica. Um, you see, and for husbands, that's the choice we have to make, right? Do I want to be right, or do I want to be happy? I choose happiness, so by default, I'm the source of all conflict in our marriage. Uh, being married all these years, of course, involves some reg- regret. Uh, there are some choices that, that we made that, given the gift of hindsight, we would make different choices. And one thing I would change uh, is, uh, excuse me, <coughs> is our wedding vows, at least my wedding vows to my wife. If I could re- rewrite my wedding vows, they would go something like this. I promise to share the covers— leave the light on, make sure the toilet paper is stocked, not use all the hot water, and do as many dishes as I can stomach, as long as we both shall shall live, so help me God. I promise to nearly always notice when you've had your hair cut. Here's a big one. This is the number one. I promise to love and honor During the off-season, during the off-season, I promise to unclog the tub, even though obviously only one of us has hair. (laughs) I promise to get up and get the remote from across the room, even though I didn't place the remote so far away. This is another big one right here. I promise to play golf once a week to allow you time to relax and pamper yourself. And I promise to let you pick up my clothes ninety percent of the time. <laughs> we were first married; <clears> the <throat> first few years, we'd be going out, and you know, I'd show up there, and Erica's getting ready. So I'd come out of the closet, she'd be like, "You're wearing that," <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, of course I'm wearing that." A few years after that, we'd go out to eat, and I walk out of the closet with my outfit on, and she would say, "You're wearing that." And I would say, I guess not. <laughs> and now it's just like, we're going have to eat, just lay my clothes out. I'll wear whatever you pick, just save some time. Whatever you want me to wear, I'll wear it. In preparing this sermon, I watched a lot of videos, some funny <coughs> wedding videos. And I thought to myself... If I were able to travel back in time to 1994 and redo our wedding ceremony, I would definitely incorporate uh, more humor in it. There are some funny uh, wedding video uh, humor that I was, was actually hilarious. Um, now, why would I do that? Because even though marriage is a gift, a successful marriage takes a lot of work. Now, this is true, and you may not believe this, but when Eric and I were dating, we never argued. We never argued. We dated for about two years. It wasn't until we were married that the fighting began. I suppose we fell prey to the lie that uh, marrying your soulmate uh, meant a married life of near constant joy. Remember believing that when you were getting married? We had the perfect marriage, perfect life. It did not take us long to realize that uh, when you say your marriage vows, uh, it's not the beginning of a life of utopia, it's the beginning of a life facing conflict together. With two people that are committed to each other. It's been our experience that, uh, (coughs) excuse me, that our commitment to God and each other, uh, we don't know how a marriage can last. I wanted to share this with you. Uh, These are the the latest divorce statistics taken from Forbes Advisor uh, dated January uh, 8th of this year. Of course, what's the one statistic that we all know about marriage and divorce? About half the marriages end in divorce. Well, here's some interesting stats. Well, how many marriages end in divorce? Well, we know that half of them do, but that only pertains to first marriages. Um, Second and third marriages, they end up uh, failing at a far higher rate. Uh, When do couples divorce? It's after about eight years. Eight years of marriage. The couples dissolve the marriage. Well, what happens after divorce? Well, 64% of men remarry, and 52% of women get married again, so they don't give up on the institution of marriage. (coughs) Excuse me. There's some good news about divorce, though divorce rates are on decline. Did you know that? But it's misleading because marriage rates are declining, too. Yep. Divorce is not only financially expensive, it is also deadly. You know that? The average divorce costs about $7,000, but divorcees are more likely to die earlier than married people. Interesting. Couples who live together, of course, before marriage, they're more likely to divorce. Uh, They did a survey that living together prior to marriage is one predictor of the likelihood of divorce, A total of 57% of couples who did not cohabitate prior to marriage had a union that lasted 20 or more years compared with just 46% who lived together before tying the knot. The biggest issue, other than basic incompatibility and money issues, are that 58% of couples report arguing and excessive conflict as the reason for divorce. that brings me back to the point I made earlier. Marriage is the beginning of a life-facing conflict together. But here's the thing. God knows this, right? In the very beginning, Genesis tells us that relationships are going to be hard. Uh, Remember the curse spoken to Eve in the Garden of Eden? It was more than just increased pain in childbirth. It says in verse 16 of chapter 3, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. The desire referred to here is, of course, the desire to do what? Abandon her role as the helper, take over the husband's role as the head of the marriage relationship. And this is what Eve did in the garden, and this is what all of her offspring from that moment on have struggled with to control the husband, to lead the relationship. And, of course, what does that lead to? Conflict, inevitable conflict. But man will rule rule over her. He at times will exercise ungodly domination. It's in light of this that God lays out a divine design for marriage. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn here with me. Ephesians chapter 5. This is God's design for marriage. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the bathing by the washing of water, excuse me, with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church. Because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ in the church. Nevertheless, each individual among you is to love his own wife even as himself, and the wife must see to it that she respects her husband. We can really just dumb all this down to this right here. This is God's design. Now, I don't want to talk so much about, you know, the submission and respect as I want to talk about the love of the husband here because that's where the, the gist of the text goes. There's more written about the husband loving than the wife submitting and respecting. But it's a sacrificial love. This is how we are to love our wives, uh, as Christ loved the church. It's a purifying love. We are to sanctify her. It's a caring love. Uh, like we would care for our own bodies. It's a <coughs> excuse me, the permanent love. It's one flesh. It's meant to last forever. So part of learning to love your wife this way, I think, involves first Peter three seven. You can write this down, I'm not going to put this up here. But it says, You husbands in the same way, live with your wives in what? In an understanding way. As with someone weaker, that's just weaker physically. The woman is not weaker in any other way other than physically, since she is a woman. And show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so your prayers will not be hindered. And whatever is implied in this verse, I think certainly includes the, the I don't want to put this, the fact that we need to learn to communicate to each other, men and women. So I want to put up this next video, which I think it really, uh, the difference and difficulties of communicating with your spouse. So we can put that video up. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. You do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail. See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just sometimes it's like there's this achy I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean all of them. Sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh come on. Ow. If you would just <laughs> don't <laughs> It's all the laughing night that you're trying to hold back. I know because of those of you that are married like, oh my gosh, I totally relate to this. I've never had a nail in my head, but that conversation is like so relatable, right? Because it's not about the nail, never about the nail. <clears throat> One of the things that I've learned in our marriage and, and counseling people that are married and have marital problems is the, obviously the importance of communication and that my parents did this, and I, I, we, Eric and I worked through this. Um, when we get home from work, we have to talk about our day. Because that's what you do as married couples, right? And you discuss your day. So when, when men get home from work, uh, we don't want to do a debrief of our day. Okay, we just don't like that. <coughs> Excuse me. It took me a while for my wife to pick up on this, but since she's smart, uh, she quickly learned to stop asking about how my day was. And here is how she learned. I would come home, and she'd ask me you know, about my day with a simple question. How was your day? My response, good you know, one-word answer. She proceeded to ask a fault question. Anything different happened today? Nope. Nope. Another one word answer. Now, my wife is very strong willed. This didn't deter her. My brief responses, because she wasn't picking up on it that I didn't want to talk about my day, and so she'd persevere. She'd ask more questions that would force me to expand on my original answers. I would combine the words I'd used earlier. So instead of a well, one word answer, I would combine them in like a three word answer. Nope. Everything's good. So I used the word good and nope, and added the word everything in there. That was a a lot of work for me to say that (laughs) to her about my day. Okay, nope, everything's good. By this time, Erica, who's very smart, saw the futility of asking these questions. So eventually she stopped asking how my day went. However, when I ask her about her day, I have to block off. A minimum of 10 minutes. Minimum. And prepare myself for a debriefing of who didn't follow this rule. Who didn't do their job. What safety violation occurred at this building, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And for those of you who don't know, my wife, she's very, very smart. She speaks two languages. The English language. And Hassel. H a s l it's a language it's called health and safety language <laughs> now let me explain i am familiar with the concepts of abbreviations for example you recognize some of these these are like normal abbreviations right yeah. Anyone know what rbi is right run batted in yeah. okay era an earned run average you might have an obp but i've been a coach and a baseball player on base percentage Everybody knows this one, right? You watched the Super Bowl today. Touchdown. Do you ever know that that's a point after touchdown, the PAT, the, the field goal? Okay. How many of you are familiar with most of these? Raise your hand. You've heard these before or you recognize these. That's it. Nobody else? Raise your hand if you don't want to see. Uh, some of these. Okay. Well, this is what my wife speaks. This is hassle right here. Okay. <laughs> PPE. PPE. Personal protective equipment. I had to look these up, okay? That's what she speaks. I didn't know that till a few years ago, okay? Who knew that, PPE? Oh, my gosh, I got a bunch of nerds in here, okay? You speak hassle? How about AQI? I know that because we live in Washington because of the fires, the force, air quality index, okay? DSA, anybody know this? I looked these up. This is official. EIS, Environmental Impact Statement, I I mean, what is this? So here's how the conversation goes in our house, okay? So imagine, my wife comes home, and being a good husband, I've prepared myself, I've gotten some energy drink to give me that 10 minutes to try and focus on her while she talks about her day. She comes home, and I ask her about her day, and she says something like this, in Hazel, Health and Safety Language, we had a recordable incident today in Building 6, Because a line worker refused to wear their PPE, even though we warned them about the AQI. The IH on call failed to file the DSA, so now our entire HSE team has to write an RMP. Can you believe that? (laughs) How would you respond to that statement? Well, here's what I do. I look like I understand every word. That came out of her mouth, and I nod in agreement, hoping that she can't see. I'm completely clueless to what she just said. So it's like this. I do this. Mm. Mm. Get that look. That I have actual genuine concern. My mind is off thinking about, you know, the next football game that I'm going to be watching or something like that. But I'm doing this sort of that I'm trying to understand her. And I'm completely clueless. No, I I chose this response because I know my wife is smart. It's only a matter of time until she perceives that I'm not following her at all. Because the moment she realizes that, I have just added an additional 10 minutes to our how-was-your-day conversation. So it goes from 10 minutes to 20 minutes, and I am dying as she is speaking Hazel to me. And the truth is, I want this conversation ended like 10 minutes ago. Okay? So that's the first thing we learned is how we communicate and how was our days. And this one is hard. How about this one? Share your feelings. Share your feelings. I hear women say this all the time about their husbands. Share your feelings. You never share your feelings. You just stuff everything inside. Let me give a tip to to all the women here. Men have no feelings. We have a remote. Okay? All we need is the remote. All right? A comedian, Ken Davis, uh, tells a funny story. When he finally opened up to his wife and shared his feelings. Uh, They were in Florida. He was speaking at a church, and they were at a stoplight, but across the intersection... Um, he saw a restaurant that he used to uh, frequent regularly. Uh, It's a a beautiful place with good food, but he didn't eat there anymore because every time he ate there, he put on weight. And he thought, well, that's sad that I can't eat there anymore. And he thought to himself, sad. That's a feeling. And in his words, he says, then it hit me. That's a feeling. So trying to be a, a good husband, I turned to my wife to tell her my feelings. I looked at her, I looked at the restaurant, and I said the name of the restaurant, Dunkin' Donut. And she said, what? And that ticked me off. Here I was, opening up, being vulnerable, pouring out my heart, sharing my feelings. And all she could say is, What? So I said once again, Dunkin' Donut. And she said, what? So I said once again, Dunkin' Donut. And so pretty soon, as married couples do, we're going back and forth at each other with these little digs. And so finally, I turned to her and said, and he says, and not in a kind way, what part of Dunkin' Donut don't you understand? <laughs> and she turned to me and said, don't condone what? I didn't say don't condone it. I said, don't condone it. There's a difference. See, guys, this is why, don't ever share your feelings to your wife, okay? This is where it will end up. But the point being, it's very clear, we need to, to communicate. That's part of a healthy marriage. It's living with your wife in an understanding way. And so God's design for marriage requires the wife to submit and respect their husbands, and husbands are to love their wives, sacrificially, purely, caringly, and permanently. But this is so much easier said than done, right? In fact, if you look at the fourth chapter of Ephesians, just listen to this. It details <coughs> excuse me, an incredibly difficult set of walks. In Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, it says to walk, at your daily conduct, in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the union of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That sounds easy, right? No. Chapter 5 includes the walk uh, of um, love. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up For you, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And a couple verses later, verses 8 through 10, walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Now, that's not easy to walk like that, is it? Here's the thing as difficult as those walks are, Maintaining relationships, I think, is even harder. Now, Paul addresses challenging relationships that we all face in Ephesians chapter 5. Because I just read to you all those verses of those walks that you're to do. Then he goes into the husband-wife relationship. That's followed by the parent-child relationship and the employee-employer relationship. How many people would raise their hand in agreement with me and saying that, The marriage relationship can be difficult and requires a lot of work, right? Okay. How about parenting? Is that easy? It is not at all. How about even the work relationship? That can be a little easier, but if you've got a difficult manager or boss, it becomes brutal, does it not? So you have chapter 4 and chapter 5 and all these walks, and those are incredibly hard. Then you have the the, the relationships, the husband and wife, the parent-child, the employee-employer. God knows that they're difficult, so he sticks one verse that gives us hope that I think is a secret to happy marriage. And this is this verse right here. I think I put this up here. Yeah. Do not get drunk with wine, that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And what does that mean? let god's holy spirit fill you what does that mean well he enables you he empowers you and he controls you <clears throat> see i think only through this enabling they were able to to navigate the murky waters of relationships and think about it for the wife it it can't be easy i know it's not easy for a wife to submit uh, to my headship as a husband But Jesus, the Son, did something far greater. He submitted to the plan of the Father. He humbled himself. He became one of us. And for the husband, it's never easy to sacrificially love your wife, right, in the ways that it says. But God demonstrates his sacrificial love for us by sending his Son, an innocent man, to die for our sins. My point being is that all things are possible with God's help. And that's the secret to happy marriage. God empowering you to die to yourself and putting the interests of others above your own interests. When you get to that point, when you do realize, and I say it jokingly, but Erica would agree that the secret of all or the source of all conflict in marriage is me she would say the source of all conflict in our marriage is her but you got to get to that point because we want to be right right in, in our marriages instead of be happy we want going to win the argument no when you allow god to fill you and control you you look to the interests of others first and that's the secret to happy marriage and the only way you can do that is you have to be a Christian because this power is reserved for his children. And you become a Christian by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. You trust him for the forgiveness of your sins, for the promise of eternal life. That's basically John three sixteen. You know that, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him will not perish, have eternal life. Then and only then your relationship with God begins. Because through all the difficult times of our marriage and all the arguing and fighting and and the good times and the bad, we we look at each other and say, I have no idea how non-Christian marriages make it. I just don't because we make a commitment and God's Spirit gives us the ability to see ourselves as the problem in many ways and apologize and move on And if you continue at that and learn to love, especially as Christ loved the church, you learn to love that way, then you find a deeper love that you never knew was there. Amen? Well, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? You guys ready to eat? Let me pray, and I'll dismiss you, and we'll go right into our uh, potluck. Father, we thank you for the designing marriage the way you do, the different roles that you give the husband and the, and the wife. And may our marriages be examples of Christ in the church. Lord, would you bless this food? Would you please use it to nourish our bodies? And all God's people said, amen. amen. You're dismissed, and enjoy your, our potluck.